Welcome, everyone. This is Daily Cyber, episode number 250. My name is Brandon Krieger, and I'm a cybersecurity account exec- executive with Uzado. Today is going to be an awesome episode. I've got my good friend, Ted Demopoulos, uh, author of InfoSec. I'm just going to bring this here. InfoSec Rockstar. Uh, we're going to be talking about his book. We're going to be talking about how to break into the industry when it comes to cybersecurity. I know last episode, a lot of people were asking a lot of questions about cybersecurity, how to break in the industry, what certifications do I need to to do to be able to come and be an expert in the field or at least break into the industry. So today I brought on Ted to be able to help answer those questions because he's a international speaker, has been at many conferences. I met him at the Security Atlantic Conference in Nova Scotia and heard him speak about being a cybersecurity expert. And I actually got to interview him uh, for my podcast back then. So I learned a lot about how to become an expert then, and it just kept evolving. So I'm going to have Ted on here. You can ask him tons and tons of questions. Uh, we've opened up the the chat, and, and you guys are just active already. Uh, our moderators are going to be watching it. And thank you so much for all the moderators and everything they've been doing. Uh, they're going to be watching the chat and making sure I get all the questions answered that you guys have for cybersecurity. So grab a coffee, grab a tea, and let's hack at it. I'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, USADO. USADO is a Canadian-based cybersecurity company that provides 24-7 cybersecurity support and compliance service that align their customers' tolerance for risk, their clients, suppliers, and government contractual mandates. USADO's teams focus on using insights to drive business decisions. There's no need to leave strategies to chance when insights can be used to show what changes need to be made and how to make them. USADO offers multiple services to help companies simplify IT, centralize cybersecurity management, and meet compliance standards. USADO can customize their service to work with your existing IT network and programs. For more information, contact USADO at info at uzado.com or visit their website at www.uzado.com. Hey, Ted, how's it going? Brandon, pleasure to be here speaking with you. Oh, it's been a, been a while, uh, especially with the pandemic and everything. How you been? It has been a while. I've, I've been well. It's uh, a little bit of a shock because, as you know, I normally I travel. I, I like to... I don't like to jump on the airplanes, but I like to be different places and meet people. And it's been a little strange, but you know, we've got platforms like this, which is in some ways the next best thing and in some ways better because you can interface with people who can't as easily fly somewhere or travel halfway around the world and so forth. Oh, exactly. I mean, I think we're all in the new, the new era, new world of business and networking right now, especially like you were at, at many conferences and where I met with met you at the Atlantic Security Conference, you were able to network with so many people after, you know, your speaking engagements and your events. So I'm sure it's a little bit of a shift for you to kind of do now everything online. It is. But, you know, we're well positioned to do that. When my mother, my mother's 78 and she started to Zoom with relatives she can't see anymore. To her, that was quite a technical jump. You know, it was like, I don't understand this stuff. What do I do? And she figured it out. She's a smart lady, but she doesn't have a technical background at all. For us, it was easier. Right. 
yeah, just to kind of transition pretty quickly to some of the tools, Google Hangouts or Google Meet now, Zoom, whatever that may be, right? Uh, most of the tools we, we're already using to some extent. Right. So let's jump right into because I know just recently you just had a conference, right? Yeah, I ran my first conference. All right. So t tell me a little bit about that. Like how, how'd that conference go? And I know you were setting up to help the industry and help educate people and you brought a list of experts. So what was, what was your rationale to kind of bring on that massive, massive conference online? Well, I've always liked conferences and I've always liked the idea of running my own, but that's scary negotiating with a hotel and, you know, coffee sometimes costs literally $150 a gallon if you're providing it. Mm -hmm. And you have to guarantee a certain number of hotel rooms and so forth. But I've been thinking about it for a while, saying someday. And then I went, I did B-Side Charlotte. Right. And B-Side Charlotte was, of course, all virtual. It was not that long ago. And they pre-recorded all of the talks. Okay. They pre-recorded the talks. And then they had the speakers come and be there during their talk and especially afterwards to answer questions online right. and i was like wow this moves removes a lot of the complexity and then i thought wait a minute i've seen some events like this beforehand that were all done interview style right they use the term virtual summit sometimes and mine were all interview style like this and pre-recorded right. okay and i was like well wait a minute i know people that have done this before my friend May Bush runs one on leadership, which is actually starting soon. Right. And uh, she works in the executive and, and so forth space. And so I talked to her. And, and it turns out the guy that runs it for her is a friend of mine. And I, she told me a little bit about how he, did, how he did it. Then I ended up taking a course on how to run that kind of a conference, saying this would be a good basis. And it turns out the course... Turns out I, I knew the two people teaching it, although I didn't remember meeting them because I meet a lot of people. Right. Right. It was like partway through the course, it was a husband and wife team. The husband was like, you know, I think we met before here. I was like, you know, I think we have. And we actually found a picture of the two of us together. And his wife was like, you know, we had dinner one time. And I'd gone out to her with her and two other people for dinner once. Right. And I was like, so I took their course. And it was like, okay, now I'm paying money. It was like $2,000. Like I'm going to have to do it now. I'm kind of committing. If I spend money, I mean, I've made some kind of commitment. Right. And I was like, well, I'm going to do this sometime. Then it turns out I know someone else who's actually running these online. And it's like, I can have somebody handle all the technical stuff. And I always think I can do all the technical stuff myself. Right. And I can if I had an infinite number of time. It's like, I can just give you guys a few thousand dollars and all I need to do all in quotes is find 20 or 25 great speakers and interview them and then edit the audio and then edit the video and then work on the transcripts. Right. And so it was a lot of work, but I outsourced most of the technical things, including right. setting up the websites and handling the videos. But I did 25 Zoom interviews, or 24. So now it was it kind of like doing... The way I described it to one of my clients was it was kind of like doing half a year of a podcast in like a week. Right. So now were they all security focused? There were there were two people that were not in security. Now it was called the InfoSec Consulting and Entrepreneurship Conference. 
Okay. So there were three people that aren't strictly in an in infosec. One was a, a fellow Canadian, mm -hmm. uh, Eric Zolbakin, who's actually an accountant. He's known as the heavy metal accountant because he plays in a heavy metal band. Fascinating guy. Uh, when I met him, he had sold his accountancy because he didn't like being an accountant. <laughs> he, he was burnt out on it. But he found he liked helping small businesses. Right. He liked helping accountancies, right. helping them both grow and build businesses that, that they don't like. Or his words, he said, that don't suck. Right. So he was one. And he talked about pricing and pricing models. Okay. I had someone else, another Canadian, actually, my friend Rick Berkovitz. And Rick has been in security, but he's really, he's a startup guy. Right. right. Primarily technologically based, technical startups. And he's been doing that forever. And I had one other friend, um, Jim Curtin. And Jim and I worked together many times. His first InfoSec company, he actually sold to IBM for nine figures for over $100 million. Wow. And... Uh, Although he is a security guy, he doesn't work strictly in security. He is right now doing something with electricity and regulatory law and some new startup he's the CEO of. Right. But everyone else was, you know, 100% InfoSec, 100% security. And their names, you know, like Eric Cole and Jake Williams and a bunch of other people, Georgia Weedman. And it was interesting because right. the people I knew the best were the hardest to nail town interview. Right. Like, oh, it's Ted. He'll get back. I don't have to answer Ted. He's a friend. He'll come back. <laughs> the people in general, I didn't know. Maybe we followed each other on Twitter. Usually I like reach out to them in a tweet and they'd like immediately respond. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Right. No, it's good. And now I think because we have a, uh, a really good large security group here, what was the what would be the one benefit if they wanted to go watch that or they wanted to do it to evolve their career in, in cybersecurity? What would you say is you know the top things that going to your conference they would have got? I think if I was gonna put one, it's not gonna be one word, I'll say one phrase. Yeah. Job resilience. Okay. Especially in uncertain times. The more skills you have, the more important, the, the better you are. And it's not just technical skills. Right. Uh, they include things like communication skills, planning skills, people skills. But specifically here, we concentrated on business skills. And I can tell you that I have a number of friends who have been either furloughed or laid off or their companies have gone out of business and they've lost their jobs. Right. Since I'm going to say since March. Okay. You can't lose your job if you're a consultant. Right. Right. Your average consultant has maybe three to six clients in a given year. OK. And so one of them goes dormant or one of them goes out of business or half of them, something happens to them. You still have some work. It's not binary. It's not job or no job. Also, even if you are an employee and I loved my first job, I'm not anti job at all. Right. My first job was awesome. But knowing how to consult and a lot of people that came don't necessarily want to go become consultants or start up their company but they want those skills just to open new opportunities whether it's a great opportunity that pops up or they're furloughed or something like that like what do i do now right so now why is that important in the infosec the infosec industry because i don't mean 
you've got this book. And just to let you guys know, we're actually giving away five of these books today. Uh, Ted's been gracious to say, look, you know what, to help the industry, he's going to give you guys, you know, an opportunity to have a little bit of a contest, you know, probably around in about another 15 minutes, we're going to have a contest. And what you're going to do is you're going to give five of these books away, right, Ted? Is that, is that correct? That sounds great. Five signed books. That, that's awesome. And then someone's asking, uh, where did Ted get that shirt? Someone's, I think, loving your shirt. <laughs> Quick story. First of all, when I put this shirt on, I did ask, can I wear this shirt? Does this <laughs> yep. work? Uh, I, I like, like some men, and this is a stereotype, I don't know anything about clothes, and I have female friends that pick on me for dressing poorly, and I was like, I'm a geek. It's, so I have one friend, and she lives for clothes. That clothes are her thing, clothes and fashion. And she said, why don't I just take you shopping? Why don't you stop buying your own clothes? And the first time she took me shopping, I saw this shirt. And it was like up on the wall in the store. And I was like, she's not going to let me buy that shirt. I like that. She's going to hate that shirt. Right. And we're just about ready to check out. We bought some clothes. It was actually a pleasant experience shopping with her. And she said, you know, there's a shirt I saw I really liked, but I didn't tell you because you're going to hate it. And I said, what shirt was it? And it was this shirt. <laughs> That's awesome. So I wear it maybe once a year for festive occasions, and that's I'm I'm psyched to be here. So there you go. Anytime you get excited, it's that that fancy shirt that you put on, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, so getting back into security, and I think a lot of guys I was on here on Monday, a lot of people are asking about questions about you know breaking in the industry, you know what certifications. What's some of your recommendations if I'm going to start out in cybersecurity? Where what should I look at? Like should I look at some junior certification? Should I look at working for a company? What's your process? Certifications are good, and I'll talk about those in a moment, but mm -hmm. nothing beats experience. Okay. And now I'm going to tell you, having a technical background, you already have some experience. If you're working in technology, you have some applicable tech experience. And sometimes, it's a slight cop-out, but sometimes it's a mindset issue. So example. I had somebody come through one of my classes and he had worked in a crypto lab for an intelligence organization, a government organization. He was coming close to, to retirement and he was like, I want to, I want to get into InfoSec, but I don't have any experience. Like, how do I get experience? Like, like, dude, you've worked in a cryptography lab for 17 years. You have experience whether you think you do or not. Right. You know, you have experience. So sometimes it's just mindset. I know with my first job, I just started doing security things. You okay. know, I, I was actually, one of the things I did was I was writing a Unix class. Now we're talking back in the 80s, late 80s. Right. And I was like, this really needs to have some information in it on stability and robustness. Okay. And, um, uh, and my manager at the time, it was my first job out of school, was like, you don't have enough time to do that. And I was like, yes, I do. And it's important. It should be here. And that was security experience. I have another friend who was a sysadmin. And among other things, he was administering the accounts, the identity and access management and so forth. He's like, I don't have any security experience. It's like, yeah, you do. So sometimes it's mindset. Okay. Right. And having that technical background, you can, you certainly don't, you don't lie, but like you're probably doing some security related things. Right. 
okay, which you simply highlight both in any interview and in your CV or resume, as they say, I think only in the U.S., I'm not sure. Right. Now, as far as certifications, certifications are definitely becoming more important, Mm -hmm. and there is no question that as a newer person, younger, less experienced, and so forth, certifications and, and degrees matter more. When you're older, it doesn't matter nearly as much. You know, I know we have a mutual friend, Dr. Eric Cole. Yeah. And I'm, I'm jealous of Eric. I tell him all the time because he finished his doctorate. I didn't. I didn't. Right. I, I didn't quit. I left to go play with computers. I got a job and I was going to come back after a year or two max and finish. Does anyone care that I have my don't have my doctorate now? No. Coming out of school, would it have mattered? Yeah, I probably would have gotten hired at a higher salary for sure. Right. Now, in terms of certifications, a big certification you can't get if you're brand new necessarily is the CISSP. Right. Right. That's the best known. It's the one that's been around the longest. We could argue whether it's the best, but it's the best known. It it simply is. Right. That's just a fact, whether we like it or not. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I, nobody asks me if I'm certified these days. Okay. They, They just don't. Every once in a while on a project, after I've been working for a while, they will ask me. I had a project ended last year, and near the end, maybe the last month or two, they're like, hey, Ted, do you have a CISSP or a GSEC or something like that? And I said, like, yeah, why? I got all those. They said, oh, well, we want somebody with one, with, a, with, with one of those to sign the final report, and that was probably for legal. Right. Now, Directly on the lines of, gee, how do you get experience? With CISSP, they want you to have five years of experience, and some of those years they'll, you can substitute an advanced degree for. So you could do like four years and a degree or something, a college degree. And it's interesting what they consider to be experience and security. Let's say you're a programmer, like programmers. Most programmers aren't really into security. I used to be a programmer, right? It slows things down. And programmers are smart people. They want to do a great job, right? They're typically proud and they should be. But security tends to slow things down. And I've never been on a development project that was, wasn't over budget and late. Right. N- never. Never. But if you've worked in programming, that counts as experience for the CISSP. Okay. Let's say you're let's say you're some sort of a network engineer. Let's say, you know, networking and security, those two groups don't always get along. That counts as experience for them. Right. So you might be able to get a CISSP, that experience might count. Okay. For entry level certifications. And sometimes people laugh at this, but I like Security Plus. Okay. If you have some of the other certifications, you might just be able to walk in and take it. Right. And just pass. If not, it's there's some work involved in getting it. It shows to employers well two things. First of all, sometimes human resources or personnel or whatever they may be called, they're just doing pattern matching, right? Just to get your your CV through the filters to the actual person doing the hiring. Right. Secondly, it shows you made the effort. You put effort in to pass that. Right. Right. And there's more and more certifications all the time. And it's funny. I ran into some, I can't remember what it was, about a week ago. I did a little research. And it sounded like a 
a decent one, but sticking to the better known ones is a good thing. Okay. Because people simply do a lot of pattern matching. It's like, oh, you have this, oh, you have that, and so forth. Hmm. Okay. Certainly at the top of the heap, and people might argue with me on this, there are different opinions. Maybe the absolute top or certainly near the top are the sand certifications, which are definitely expensive, mm -hmm. right? Especially with the training and the CISSP, which is harder to get. Right. I, I do like Security Plus. They have an associate's degree if you don't qualify for the CISSP. Uh, it's called, I can't remember what it's called, but it doesn't need that, that five years of experience. The SCCP, I believe from the ISC square root. That, that's a great certification as well, but they show that you've made the effort. They show that you care, you put the time and you worked on them. Right. right. And they get you through the filters with human resource. Okay. Now I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, a few people have been popping in. Now, if you guys have questions, throw them in, let, let me know. And then, yeah, we'll ask Ted. Uh, a colleague from uh, Argentina here is asking, how do you get experience? Now I'm gonna I'm gonna emphasize that. How do you get experience if you're not in IT or you're just breaking in the industry? What's some recommendations? Okay, uh, let, let me give you a, a few of them. First mm -hmm. of all, you might be able to get an intern position somewhere. For example, I have some friends that are hiring interns that are both students in school or right out of school. Uh, one, more than one person that I interviewed in my conference is doing that. The one that actually said it publicly, so I'll mention it, is Mick Douglas. Now, Mick doesn't need any interns right now, but he hires interns, and he looks to hire people he thinks don't necessarily have the skill set, but have the aptitude, mm -hmm. have the aptitude for it. And he figures that out by talking to them. Okay. Another way is you could just get involved in, in open source. Okay. Right now, you might say, well, I'm not a programmer. Well, open source needs people doing documentation and testing and other things like that as well. In fact, before we even had the concept of open source, I just started writing code and releasing it. That's how I became a programmer. I just started doing it. Right. Certainly, you can download all kinds of free things. Kali Linux. Parrot, right? There's lots of distributions, Security Onion, the Elk Stack, and right. just start playing with them. Okay. Right, getting actual experience. So now bringing that in, uh, someone's asked also, uh, so in Ted's eyes, is a CV more valuable than an OSCP? Is a CV... Now, I think they're talking about like a, the the actual, as you said, like the resume. And correct me if I'm wrong, if, if a CV is something else. But I think they mean there there is a resume or is it more valuable for the OSCP? Now, uh, if it's CV, is that that's not a certification, is it, Ted? Not that I know of. Okay. So I'll get him to clarify that. Okay. Certainly for, for pen testing, if you're interested in pen testing, and a lot of people are, right? I'm not a pen tester. I've certainly done it before. And sometimes for my clients, I interface with a pen testing team since a lot of my clients don't understand pen testing that well. The OSCP is a phenomenal and very, very well-respected certification. It's not an easy one to get. Some people would, ar would argue that it, perhaps it's not really practical. It just shows you worked really hard. Other people would say that's, I don't have that certification, but it's certainly well-respected. Right. I was a penetration tester. Yeah, I'd be looking at that. That actually sounds like a fun one to, to work on. 
Okay, so what, basically I just clarified it. It's uh, common vulnerabilities and ex exposures. So that's what CVE stands for. Okay. Oh, CVE with an E on the end. Yeah. Uh, certainly having a CVE to your name gives you a lot of street creds. The, the question is, and this is an open question, is human resources going to understand what that is? Is that going to get you through their filters? Right. right. In some organizations, yeah. In some organizations, absolutely not, because the people initially looking aren't going to know what it is. And that doesn't show up in job descriptions. You know, right. we prefer you have three CVEs to your name or something like that. Now, would that be a problem also if it's an, like one of those scanners that's scanning resumes too? That it's looking for certain things. So as they're scanning a thousand resumes and going through, they're looking for CSSP, five years experience, kind of that. Having that CVE, like a common vulnerabilities and exposures on your resume, they might not be even searching for that. They're probably not. Okay. They're probably not. Certainly, if you have a technical person taking a look at it, and there are technical people in human resources, not super commonly, depends on the organization, right? I have some companies I work with where everybody's technical and others where only the technical people are. Uh, they understand it. Okay. Now, so, next question I have here is how does the SSCP rank against the CISSP? It's kind of its baby brother. Okay. It's a junior. Uh, it's becoming better known and it's becoming both better known and more more uh more people have it you're seeing it mentioned more often in fact it used to be a while back going quite a few years back but if you passed your cissp mm -hmm. and they didn't accept your years of experience what if they you know what if there was something you had on your cv and it was like well we're not going to count those three months you don't have five years okay. so what they used to do is they'd actually give you a the smaller certification. Okay. Now they don't anymore. Now they give you, uh, I think, an associate CISSP. And when you have that actual experience, mm -hmm. they give you the full CISSP. So it's really, it is a CISSP junior. Right. And then, like you said, and now from what I read, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're talking about the Security Plus. If you get that, that will actually give you down to that four-year qualification experience. Right. If you yes. get a degree or a security plus, they'll knock off one year of experience yes. that you need. Okay. Yeah. And now their rules are changing all the time. So make sure you look at their site. I was actually on their site today. Uh, I'm going to claim I wasted 30 minutes trying okay. to figure out if something counted or not and how to apply it. To maintain a CISSP, you need a certain number of CPEs per year. Mm -hmm. And they're pretty liberal about that. But sometimes figuring out how to actually apply things. I downloaded a long PDF and read it twice, probably. That's awesome. So now they're change. They're pretty flexible, though. Just a quick, quick question, right? Because we're coming up on the contest right now. If you guys want to win one of the books, the InfoSec Rockstar, tell us a little bit about this book, Ted. As we're doing the contest, we're going to start the contest right now. Okay. And while we're doing that, tell us a little bit about the book. What What are they going to get from it? Okay, I've always been fascinated by people that are just doing things better than me, particularly in, in security. And I have a lot of friends who, they're not necessarily smarter than me, but many of them certainly are, but they get more done. People listen to them more. They're more effective. They're just, 
better security people. And I just started talking to a bunch of them. It's like, why are you so good? How come you get so much done? How come people listen to you? And I would have told you 30 years ago, well, they're more technical. They're better security people, right? They're bigger geeks. That's not what came out of almost everyone I talked to. Right. Almost everyone I talked to is like, okay, you need the technical skills. You need you, you need a certain level of tactical acumen, right? But it was additional non-technical skills. Now, sometimes we call these soft skills. They're not soft. They're the hard stuff for most of us. Things like communication. Now, it's so easy for us to communicate among ourselves. Try communicating with, I don't know, an accountant or someone in marketing or someone in human resource, and it's harder. Right. Right? So communication is critically important. Being able to influence people, to convince people. We're always trying to convince people to do the right thing in security. And when, when I say this, people think, you know, social engineering. Right. Well, turns out, yeah, that's, that's, that's an okay term to use. But in influence is more than that. First of all, a lot of what we believe is true in social engineering isn't necessarily. It's folklore. A lot of things just work because we think they're going to work. But influence is actually a science that has been studied for a very long time okay. by psychologists and other kinds of people that study these things that have PhDs and things we've probably never heard of. So I talk about influence from the scientific viewpoint. How do you get people to do the right things in our viewpoint from security? Also talk about planning. Historically, I've been a horrible planner. Okay. I haven't planned any. I just kind of wing it. Yeah, things have gone okay. Planning's pretty important when you have important things to get done. Right. We talk about that. Uh, also, just getting things done. Anybody have enough time in the week to get everything done? Probably not, you know, right? Last night after dinner, about 9 o'clock, I was lying on the couch. I got up and I worked till a little after midnight. Now, admittedly, I worked on I was excited to work on this. I was psyched. Right. But just getting stuff done. Now, if I was to say time man time management's really boring, at least to me it's a boring concept. But getting things done that matter, I love getting important things done. You know, and a lot of these things have been studied by scientists. Okay. And so a lot of the research is both from scientific research and from talking to people that, that I consider to be rock stars. Okay. Both people you've heard of and people you haven't heard of. And the term actually started as a joke. And people kind of like it, so I stuck it on the book. There you go. That's awesome. And then, so for someone that's going to read this, how is that going to help? Like, you got all those skills. How are they going to be able to use that in their career? Like, right from the start, they're going to start to evolve. You know, because I know, like, from yourself, and I'm asking on my point when I first read this, I found this was more of, you know, setting you up to be a consultant. Okay. It's going to make you more effective. You're going to get more things done. Mm -hmm. For example, I remember I had this one, one position. Now, I was a consultant there, so it, was, it wasn't 100%. I was putting probably 110% of normal hours and working 20% for others. And there was this one, I'm going to say young kid, because anyone younger than me, I think, was a young kid. I think he was like 21, 22, and I was like 30 or something. 
And he just got so much done. Right. And it wasn't because he was necessarily smarter. He certainly wasn't more dedicated. It was a very dedicated group that I belonged with. But he was good at getting the most important things done. He was good at communicating with others. He was really good at saying no to things. And he was a really junior guy in a very hierarchical organization where you didn't say no easily. And often the way he said no would be interesting. He'd say, you know, I can do this, but I'm not the right person to do it. This person can probably do it better or this is more reasonable. Or, Well, I can do this, but that means I'll have to put this on the back burner. And his career progressed extremely quickly. He got a couple promotions in two years while I was there because he was just effective at getting things done. And it's funny because in the project, he was not the project leader, but within a few months, he was the de facto leader on some parts of the project. You want to get something done and want to know how it was getting it, you go talk to him because, oh, he wasn't in charge. He didn't have what we call positional authority. He had personal authority. He could okay. get things done. He knew what was happening on, what was happening. Awesome. I mean, I think that's, I think that's awesome to kind of hear about the book and how it's helped so many people too. I know, you know, being the conferences that I've been at, you know, it's just been amazing to read through this and just kind of have that mindset as you're going through it going, okay, yeah, this is the things, you know, check, check. It's almost like a checklist. You need to have that. You need to have this, make sure I have this. I, I learned so much writing it and I learned so much talking to the people. Uh, some of them were formal interviews. Most of them were like, like us having a cup of coffee or beer and just talk like, like, Brandon, how, come you do, how do you do so many amazing things in your life? How do you get so much done? Right. You know, and it was interesting because many of the people I talked to were just incredibly modest. They're like, I don't get that much done. I don't do that. Almost everybody was right. really modest. Like, I'm impressed. That's awesome. So now just to let you guys know that are watching, uh, we're going to be stopping the contest very soon. So make sure you get, get into it. Uh, again, we're giving five of these books away. Uh, and, uh, we'll have the, the moderators to contact you once we stop this, but yeah, I, I highly recommend grabbing this book and checking this out. Uh, we're going to be giving away probably in the next, we'll stop the contest probably in the next four or five minutes. So make sure you get in for the contest and you, you win your copy of this book. So now Ted, we have a couple more questions I want to ask you too, cause, um, sure. I've got some, some really great questions that are coming into the, from the community. Uh, to do, uh, I have been in the help desk position for about seven months. Should my, should, uh, should, f should finish my cybersecurity associate by the end of this year, how long should I stay in the position given that I have the freedom that most people in, in the help desk don't, I'm currently maintaining what someone built as, as far as the network file, et cetera. Okay. So you're, you're getting real security expertise here. Mm -hmm. Right. That you you're going to document on your resume, your CV. When I've, I've hired a lot of people in the past and I'll tell you, if I see somebody that has help desk experience, man, I look at that really carefully. I, I volunteered and worked help desk before. I think that's phenomenal experience because you're so close to the end users, the ones who are actually supporting with everything. Um, if I see somebody with two years of help desk experience, I'm like, this person probably knows a lot, particularly when you add the security component onto it. You're in a really good position. So you're really, 
you're working help desk and you're like, you know, firewall administrator or something or whatever the the right term may be there. Right. And then you th you think like because of the help desk experience, it's going to give them more value going in just because they've got support, they've got work working experience working with clients. A lot of companies value that a lot. I'm not going to say all. It's just like a lot of companies value system administration experience a lot. I know organizations that like to hire system administrators into security positions. You know why? Because not only do they have a lot of experience, but they've experienced pain before. They've broken something before. They've brought down a server or a network, and they tend to be careful and cautious. And we want careful and cautious security people. Well, I think on the help desk, and I'll talk on the help desk side, they're careful and secure because they've been on their si other side when people are calling when things are down, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So they don't want to get the 100 to 150 calls saying, this is out. This is not working. I can't get my emails. The network's down. I can't get to the internet. They're like, okay, take your time because I know what happens on the other end when things don't work. So I think that's good to, to have yeah. that kind of insight mm -hmm. as well. Uh, next question I have for you. Uh, do you know if uh, CyberSec certifications offered by the University in Canada, uh, Montreal, uh, Polytechnic, or University of Montreal could be a valuable alternative to uh, to the more official official ones? Uh, any kind of a degree is very helpful, particularly if it has a, a cybersecurity component to it absolutely no question okay those are, are very valuable and again the younger you are the newer in the industry the more important they are if you're like an old goat nobody cares that much if you're younger or you're trying to switch positions yeah that that that's an enormous that's an enormous help i i did something i'm trying to remember what it was it was Rogers has a program in Canada and uh, it's through some university and I can't for the life of me remember which one it was, but I was talking to a number of people in your similar position that I had, that I had in, in class. Okay. And yeah. Th that that's going to be real helpful. And I cannot remember the program that Rogers was sponsoring. I was actually teaching a, a SANS Institute class for them. Okay. And uh, they were getting a degree and one or two SAN certifications. And there, it was like the degree you're getting is going to help you a lot. Okay, perfect. And then, like you said, and it's something I'm going to add into that. If you're breaking the industry and you're, you're going to school and doing that, again, it's just it's great for progression and employment too, right? Because as you're going up and you're moving up to management, they like to see degrees and all that in managerial. Now, if you're a consultant or if you're kind of going to the technical roles, it's like you said, I, I find it's more experience, but as you're going to managerial, they'd like to see the depth of education. Now, let me tell you one very quick story. Yeah. So I was working on my PhD program and it was in mathematics, actually, in abstract math, theoretical math. And I decided I was going to get a job to get some practical experience. I'd gone to a job fair. I had met someone, didn't have a job, but he offered me a job about a few months later when he had an open position. And I was like, I told the university, I was at the University of New Hampshire, I want to go do this job for a year or two and then come back and finish. And like, okay, that's awesome. You can come back. You can go and come back. Right. And when I went there, they're like, when I'm just filling out the paperwork, 
they wanted to know what kind of degrees I had. And I had my undergrad degree. I didn't have a master's. I hadn't finished the PhD. So I went back to the university, to my advisor, and I said, hey, Sam, any way you can give me a master's degree? I've done the work. And they gave me a verbal examination. Excuse me, oral exam is what they called it. They kept me for almost 12 hours. We ordered pizza. They're having fun picking on me. And because I had that degree, I got an extra $7,000 starting salary. And right. 7000 is significant. It was a lot more significant back then, too. It was just the degree. And I'd already done the work. So just right. having that degree can matter, especially when you're younger, especially when going for managerial-type positions. Right. Awesome. Now, just to let everyone know, I'm just posting on the screen right now, last minute to win your copy. Make sure you get you to get a giveaway. We're going for the last minute right now. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone that's actually, you know, got into the contest. Really excited about getting their copy of the InfoSec Rockstar. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, now, if you won the getaway, you're going to be sending in uh, a DM by Cyber uh, underscore Insecurity, and they're going to let you know kind of you know what's going to happen, what's your next steps. And I'm really excited to make sure that you guys win your copy of the InfoSec Rockstar. So last minute, uh, I'll let you guys know when it closes off. And then you guys will get whoever's won, the five people that won, you'll get a DM from the cyber insecurity. And so I will ship them out tomorrow or in a very few days. That's awesome. And then, yeah, you guys will get them in, in your, your mailbox and be able to start, you know, just kind of seeing how that progresses. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so, Ted, I got a couple more questions for you that have come in. Uh, I have a question for Ted. I'm trying to progress with with ten years experience with Windows environment and have been uh, ahead of most in the regarding of the virtualization. And one thing uh, that I have noticed long ago is the cloud. Can you speak in regards to your experience with up to date information of cloud security as far as administration and certification? You see as a val uh, valuable in this regard. Absolutely. If I had to pick two areas that were growing in terms of demand, in terms of people that industry needing people, government needing people, nonprofits needing people with experience, cloud would be number one. Right. Probably second would be forensics. And if you're doing cloud forensics, that's like a double whammy. My friend uh, Ken Hartman, who I'd speak at my conference, does a lot of cloud forensics. But uh, we're needing more and more cloud people out there. And I'll tell you, I've learned more about the cloud in the last six months. Just because it's, it used to be that the cloud was the cloud. Now, in most places, the cloud is the default. Right. Right? Yeah, no, it is. And I mean, as as you know, everyone's kind of worked. Uh, the Every company, organization, 99% of them have gone to either a hybrid of the cloud or directly to the cloud. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, asking that question right now, what, and actually I'm just getting a message from the team right now. We do have our winners, uh, anonymous. Uh, I think it's an, I'm going to, I'm going to spell this wrong or say this wrong. It's a N a N a N O N a moose zero one zero one zero, uh, legacy two zero five, White Blaz, Steel, uh, Steel X Kill, 
and then booze for brains. Can you guys DM cyber underscore security uh, with your name and address? And then we'll get you your copy of the book. Uh, you congratulations. You guys have won your copy of InfoSec cybersecurity. Great. So jumping back into cloud security, what certifications would you recommend? That's a good question. Because the cloud's so much newer, and I'm not familiar with all the certifications. However, that said, the two that I have seen specifically requested are, I'm going to get this one wrong, but it's the one from ISC squared. Okay. And it's, it's ISC squared paired up with the uh, the Cloud Security Alliance. They've, they have a certification. They've, they've gone together. Now, it's a fairly high level certification it's not hands-on it's not overly technical they they break the cloud into 14 different domains including governance including applications including there's 14 different domains including regulatory compliance so high level overview i see that one and i can't remember its name right now but it's the one from isc squared if you so go to is yeah, is that one the CCSP? It's the CCSP, yes. Yeah, Certified Cloud Security Professional. Yeah, and I was actually thinking of sitting in a class for that to learn more about that at the ISC Squared Security Congress this year, but it ended up being virtual, and so I didn't do it. They had they didn't have as much training. Okay. Now and, what? Now I want to add that into like because you're saying Amazon they have their certifications. All right, they have the AWS uh, certified security specialist. So yep. there's a path that way. And I think Google have, has their own path too, right? They do. There's a platform specific ones as well. Right. And if we take a look at the big three cloud providers, they're definitely Amazon Web Services first by far, by right. far. They're they're number one, very, very simply. You know, not, not by, by a long stretch. Number two and number three are Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And then Google. Google is the third, but they're gaining. Right. So any specific certifications for those are, are good. Now, there are some other up-and-coming cloud providers. There's more than you you can think of out there, actually, including Alibaba. Alibaba is starting to grow a lot. Okay. Oracle Cloud, and they have some name for it besides Oracle Cloud, is growing. But the... The specific ones, the platform-specific or cloud-specific ones are good as well. Absolutely. Right. And what I see mentioned a lot more and more are the SANS Institute certifications. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little biased here because I do some work for them, and my friends have developed some of those certifications. Okay. But we're starting to see more for the cloud because the cloud is simply more important. Well, what I'm finding on my side is there's actually a shortage, too, of qualified, certified cloud security experts because there's just so much demand, right? Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine, Dave Shackelford, Dave speaks at RSA pretty much every year, some cloud topic. He always finds work every single time he gives a talk. Now he's a consultant, right? So he usually picks up one or two new clients every year. If he was a full-time employee, he'd be getting full-time job offers. Right. Right. It's a very hireable skill, a very desirable skill. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I mean, I think, yeah, to answer that, uh, that gentleman's question, 
Uh, when you're looking at the cloud, if you want to move over right now, I think this is like the best time to do it. Yeah, I'd agree. I know for our company, uh, there's been some several times where people have been looking for a full-time, you know, Azure, Amazon, Google Cloud expert to work in-house. And, you know, we have to send them to recruiters and, I, and the recruiters are having a hard time finding people. My friends working in the cloud space, if they're consultants, they're, they have more work. They, they're picking and choosing what they want to do. If they're full-time, they're getting job offers they don't want to get sometimes. Right. You know, they're, just, they're happy doing what they're doing. But if they weren't, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there right now. So now I got another question for you. what's what's about the CCSK cert, uh, the certified uh, certificate of cloud security knowledge. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Who's who is that one from? So I'm gonna look that up for you right now. Uh, so yeah, I'll look that one up for you right now. Cloud security knowledge it sounds familiar, but all, sometimes all acronyms run together. So that's by the Cloud Security Alliance. Oh, okay, yeah, yes, uh huh. Yeah, that is certainly a, a respectable one. I've I've looked at that one before. It's just the uh, the letters didn't all ring in my head. Everything from the Cloud Security Alliance is, is fantastic. It tends to be higher level and not hands on, mm -hmm. right? More like architect, big picture understanding, which which is really important. Right. Now, what would you would you recommend? Would you make uh, recommend more theoretical design, or would you recommend more hands on right now? It depends on what your desire is, okay. right? Are you a hands-on techie or do you want to be more like a CISO type or architect type? I'll tell you what I would probably do right now, which you can do for free. All of the three big cloud providers, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google will let you sign up for a free account. And at least last I looked, which was only like, like two or three weeks ago, you get some free credits. So right. you can actually go and play in their cloud and do things for free. Right. Okay. No, that's good. That's good to know. And I was just trying to think on the standpoint with some of these people are trying to look at transitioning over to the cloud. You know, what would be the best, you know, plan of action? And I think, you know, from my point of view, maybe going on the technical side at first to start out, right? Getting the kind of the administrative, the cloud professional kind of working that way of how to harden it, secure it, and then working up to the architectural level. Yeah, and I'm a hands-on guy from way back, so I, I like that approach. Although I have to say now I have some clients where I don't even touch their computers, which shocks me. Right. Because if we were to go back 10 years, I had no clients where I wasn't on the keyboard like 99% of the time or something. Right. Occasionally being dragged into meetings I didn't want to be in. Yeah, makes sense. Now, I think we're, we're getting asked again another question. is: What is the best cloud security certification to get? So I know we talked to like CISSP is kind of one of the ones that are yeah. well known. What is something that's like well known that you'd say, okay, if you got that, at least you kind of make a little bit of a name for yourself. I'm going to say two different things. First of all, overall ones, everything from the Cloud Security Alliance. Okay. Okay. If it's for a specific cloud, nitty gritty, hands on, I do Amazon mm -hmm. because they're the biggest cloud provider out there. I would go for the Amazon certifications. Right. Okay. That makes sense because again, when you look at that certification, you're not just looking at, you know, working with Amazon, you're looking, looking at working at all the clients that are using it. Yeah. 
and by the way, the skills are transferable. Uh, in my head, I've got this one chart in this class that I teach that's showing what the same services are called in the big three cloud providers. They're not the same, but they're similar, right? The concepts carry over. If you're comfortable in one cloud, you can figure out how the other cloud works fairly easily. Right. And it makes sense because, yeah, like, as we know, with the IT or technical skills, as you start to get that base, you can start to transition and move over. Now you're just learning the gap, right? What's the difference? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Now I have another question. I'm working. Uh, I'm a working journalist transitioning into InfoSec. Just started a new degree in, in Info Systems Security at Sheridan College in Toronto. Will a will second degree specializing in si- uh, security help? I'm interested in pen testing and looking at the INE junior pen testing course and hopefully security plus when I start my second year. Wondering if four-year degree is a waste of time and should I switch to computer system diploma instead? That's a difficult question. Mm -hmm. First of all, four-year, there's nothing wrong with a four-year degree, right? It's a good thing. Uh, It's not required. Some companies will not hire you without without it, but there's fewer and fewer of those there. As far as the certifications coming from INE, I'm not overly familiar with them, but I can tell you this, I'm hearing about them more and more and more and more, and people are saying really good things about them. And the little that I've looked at them in the last month or so, I'm, I like what I've been seeing. Right. What I would what I would probably do, and this is just my gut feeling, this is just kind of the way I do things, is I'd stick in the four-year degree program and just look for work. And if you find something exciting, go do it. Right. And you might even be able to get your school to say, like mine said, hey, I want to go and get some practical work experience for six months or a year or something like that. And maybe you come back. Maybe you don't. My plan was to come back and finish my doctorate. I like playing with computers more. I didn't. Right. 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 But it was a, it was a win-win. So now I'm going to take a little crack at this because he says, I'm starting a new degree in info system security at Sheridan college. So it's already in security, right? Going into that, going into that degree. So I would say I'd recommend go for it, go get that, like depending on your age and your requirements, go get that degree, kind of get the, the base knowledge of experience. And then as you start to get in the industry, you're going to start to transition. You're going to start to pivot, right? You're going to start to move around. And I'm sure in that uh, system security at Sheridan College, I think they have a little bit of a pen testing uh, uh, section in that. So you can start to get a little bit of an introduction to that. And then on your own pen test, go to the competitions, you know, set up labs and do that on your own. And then you build the skill set as you're going. Yeah, the... uh... The holiday hack challenge is a great thing. It's every Christmas and it never goes offline. So it's like the last five years, I think, are there. They're huge capture the flag pen testing competition. And they're still all of them are online. They're Christmas themed. Right. Right. But they don't go away. I just found out. Ed Scotus told me that he's actually paying to keep those all online out of his own pocket. And there's lots of other capture the flag type competitions that are going on as well. Another thing to mention, my friend John Strand at Black Hills Information Security has just stated that all of his classes are going to be pay what you want forever. 
including, and if you look, you can pay as little as $20 or you can email him and say, I want to take it for free. And he doesn't ask you why. He just has that so he doesn't have bots signing up for the classes. Right. You know, and his stuff is all top notch. That's awesome. So, Ted, uh, we're coming up uh, close to the, the end. Uh, I'm going to, would you like people to follow you at Twitter here? I'm just going to post that up here. Sure. And then you can see that Twitter's uh, uh, Ted's Twitter account. Uh, it's awesome, Ted, to be able to connect with you. Uh, it's again, it's at Ted, uh, and it's D E M O P. So go out, connect with them and make sure you, you know, just say hi, where you met him. You met him on the daily cyber and follow Ted's news, what he's working on. A lot of great information. So Ted, one last thing. What was one recommend recommendation you'd give these guys for 2020 that they should be working on? That's a great question. If I was to pick one thing that both help you get a job and that both help you progress in your career is learning to communicate better. Okay. Right. And I was the stereotypical geek in my first job. It was like, we're just going to hide Ted in this corner, you know, and he's going to do technical stuff and we don't want him talking to anybody because he doesn't have social skills. Right. And just building those social skills, the ability to communicate, and it's not hard. You get better by doing it. You simply do. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things. And there's a lot of things you can do. Toastmasters, you know, different programs. is awesome. Right, different courses and things you can take. Uh, there's negotiation courses, sales courses, uh, even just, you know, relationship courses, you know, personal development all that's going to help you. I think John Maxwell, I'm looking at a book up here. He has a management you know, book you can read and just how to manage staff in a kind of a 360 degree review. So there's a lot of soft skills to help you balance that out. All the great technical knowledge you have, you got to have that little bit of a balance of soft skills. You do. And for some of us, the soft skills are the missing piece. We always tend to underplay our technical skills, whether we're experienced or not. We always underplay them because we tend to think of what we don't know. Right. We don't. The, the body of knowledge, certainly technical knowledge, is growing so quickly. There's always going to be more and more we don't know. There's a yeah. lot we do know. And often it's the non technical things that we don't think about that are often the differentiators between getting the job or progressing or getting something done. No, so true. So very true. Well, thank you so much, Ted. I really appreciate you coming out on. On Wednesday here to going to share your information and help people in the infosex uh, space just to increase their knowledge of the cybersecurity as well as help them in their career. So thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon, and thank you everybody. This has been a blast. This has been great. Awesome. So Ted, I'm just going to get wait, get you to wait in the lobby. And, sure. Uh, so guys, that was Ted. Uh, I hope you got a lot of value from today's uh, daily cyber. Uh, let me know. Give me a thumbs up. Let the uh, the moderators know how you know the information that you got from today's uh, session. Uh, every Wednesday, we're going to be doing an interview with an expert. I'm bringing more and more people in. Uh, in an hour, just to let you know, uh, Neil is going to be co-hosting with Jeff Galls, and, and they're going to be answering questions on cybersecurity news, answering your questions. So stick around. Make sure that you're here for that. Uh, go grab a coffee, take a bio break, get some dinner, and then come back in you know just in about an hour so you can get some more cybersecurity information on our new network of just cybersecurity value and just to help you guys out. So ending off for this, for the Daily Cyber, I just want to remind you guys, don't forget 
Software's hackable, being connected is vulnerable. I'll see you next Daily Cyber.